From the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA. This is Catholic Military Life, a podcast of the Archdiocese. I'm your moderator, Taylor Henry. And for this edition, it's my pleasure to welcome back to our microphones Colonel Chuck Galena, U.S. Marine Corps retired, and uh, currently uh, we're talking about the Warriors to Lords uh, coming up in 2024. Colonel Galena, welcome back to our microphones. Thank you, Taylor. And, uh, okay, we're talking about the Warriors to Lords spiritual journey. Warriors to Lords is a week-long retreat in which pilgrims take part in an opening ceremony at Lords, special masses, visits to the baths at the sanctuary of Our Lady of Lords, and a candlelight vigil. U.S. servicemen and women currently on active duty, recently retired, or honorably discharged, including those suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, moral injury, and other illnesses are encouraged to submit an application to the Knights of Columbus, which sponsors the Warriors to Lords along with the Archdiocese for the military services. And uh, Colonel Galena, you are not only the full-time advisor for military and veterans affairs to the Knights of Columbus, but you're pretty much in charge of organizing the Warriors to Lords every year. Yes, it's been a real privilege since we started in 2014 with the Warriors to Lords pilgrimage in conjunction with the International Military Pilgrimage. Uh, um, so it's been uh, it's been my pleasure to be the uh, chief coordinator for the for the Warriors to Lords pilgrimage and the chief of delegation for the United States delegation to the PMI. Yes, sir. And so um, the folks who get to go on Warriors to Lords, this is an all expenses paid trip for them, correct? It is. Uh, we cover the Knights of Columbus uh, uh, covers uh, the. Uh, wounded, ill, and injured in our pilgrims, um, as well as some companions that have financial need. Uh, the package includes a round trip tri from our six airfields in Atlanta, Washington, Houston, LA, Raleigh, Durham, and Seattle, as well as full lodging and uh, full meal plan, KFC credentials, or PM PMI credentials. Uh, we take care of the flights and we take care of the booking and so forth. Uh, so we're uh, we're quite privileged to be able to bring our wounded, ill, and injured primarily uh, to Lords for healing, peace, and reconciliation. I see. And um, the uh, Warriors to Lords is uh, well. What are the dates for the 2024 Warriors to Lords journey? The uh, for 2024, the Warriors to Lords pilgrimage, inclusive of travel, is 21 to 27 May 2024. And that's in conjunction with the 64th annual military pilgrimage uh, in Lourdes, France. The, that's the international military pilgrimage. That is correct. And it is that goes the 24th to the 26th of May. Um, the pilgrimage is sponsored by the Archdiocese for the military service and the Knights of Columbus. Uh, and so this overlaps with the International Military Pilgrimage. Uh, give us a little background on that. What is the International Military Pilgrimage? Uh, the International Military Pilgrimage, or PMI, was established in 1946 uh, to promote peace and reconciliation among the uh, nations following World War II. Uh, in 2023, there were uh, over 14,600 military pilgrims from all over 40 nations that participated in the PMI 
along with a total of 282 wars to Lord's Pilgrimage. Pilgrims. And, and so this international military pilgrimage has been taking place pretty much since the years after World War II when uh, German mm-hmm. and French uh, combatants came together after, after the war. After World War II, it was the warring nations. Uh, the German uh, uh, were invited uh, a few years later, and then in 1958, uh, the international military pilgrimage uh, came into full being, uh, whereas now it is it is a pilgrimage, uh, an organization of over 40 nations with uh, annually 12,000 to 15,000 uh, military pilgrim- pilgrims. And as you know, Colonel Chuck Glean, I was fortunate enough to accompany the Warriors to Lourdes two years ago, and I got to see firsthand all the pomp and circumstance around the International Military Pilgrimage, and it was quite a sight to behold. Uh, Drums, uh, uh, bands, marching bands, uh, brass blaring, uh, and uh, all these uh, uh, contingents from different militaries from around the world marching in tight formation through the winding streets of the village of Lourdes, Mm -hmm. France. It's really quite a sight to behold. It is, indeed. And um, so uh, for the benefit of our listener who's not so familiar with uh, Lourdes, just a little bit of background, uh, uh, St. Bernadette Subaru, who uh, lived from 1844 to 1879, um, had an apparition in 1858 at um, Lourdes. Uh, Bernadette was born in 1844, the first child of an extremely poor miller in the town of Lourdes in southern France. The family was living in the basement. The Blessed Virgin Mary appeared to Bernadette in a cave above the banks of the Gave du Pou, the Gave River. I think I said that right in French. <laughs> uh, she was only 14 years old, uh, and uh, the uh, uh, the lady uh, uh, who appeared to her, uh, uh, who identified herself as the Immaculate Conception, uh, asked her to have a... Uh, a chapel built on the spot of the visions. That's where now stands the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception. And that's where some of the events take place at Warriors to Lords. Is that correct? It does. Uh, we have uh, a number of events that take place at the grotto itself, as well as uh, an opening American Mass in the Rosary Basilica and then an um, and then the other other uh, chapels and uh, basilicas there uh, in Lourdes. Uh, another major venue is the St. Pius X uh, Basilica, which is underground. And when you look at the esplanade in front of the Rosary Basilica, it uh, looks very grassy and whatever, but there's a 21,000-person uh, basilica underneath there. Really amazing how huge it is, this cavernous underground right. church where the final uh, ceremony is held. Well, uh, it's the opening ceremony, the International Mass on Sunday, and the closing ceremony on Sunday afternoon, yes. And uh, I can tell you from experience from two years ago that uh, this, what, 21,000 capacity, uh, what, what is it, how, how many? Uh, it can hold up to 21,000. Uh, typically, there's 6,000 chairs on the floor, so... Uh, there has to obviously there is some uh, uh, heavy seat assignment assignments going on in order to accommodate as many of the uh, pilgrims from the forty plus nations. So 
each country gets a percentage of the seats uh, according to the size of their delegation. In my experience, it was packed to the gills. Uh, you That's know, bishops and priests from all over the world distributing right. communion, and uh, all the attendees uh, packing that cavernous church underground at Lourdes. Okay, so uh, who can qualify to go, and how do they apply? With the, uh, it's the active duty, uh, wounded, ill, and injured, uh, active duty, non-wounded, ill, and injured, um, as well as uh, those that are combat wounded have highest priority. Uh, we have a number each year, and it's gotten the, the combat wounded has gone down, thankfully, as we have not been engaged in, in combat uh, operations as much as the past. However, the aftermath of those um, conflicts, particularly in Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, as well as Gulf War and even into Vietnam, uh, the aftermath of that in terms of PTS and moral injury, as well as um, illnesses associated with the environmental or the toxic uh, impact uh, has risen its uh, head. Um, last year we had two terminal cancer patients that are a result of the environmental problems uh, encountered in those combats. So, Essentially, the highest priority is active duty combat wounded. The second is active duty non-wounded but ill or injured, uh, which would be the that category as well as PTSD and moral injury. Uh, and then the third is active duty non-wounded ill or injured. Uh, the fourth category is um, basically the uh, those that have recently been released from active duty for. Uh, either medically discharged or discharged, uh, uh, those who retired, medically retired, uh, otherwise with a preference to post-9-11, uh, post, uh, although we do take uh, pilgrims from uh, each of the conflicts prior to that. Uh, selection process takes place um, uh, very much. We also have to take into account caregivers for some of those who are disabled that need to have a have uh, daily care, and then companions, which could be family, wives, children, etc. Uh, those are on a very much a need basis, based on a chaplain's endorsement. Otherwise, we uh, kind of expect the companions to be able to cover their own expense. So, for those chosen, the warriors, the veterans, they get to make this pilgrimage for free, all expenses paid, correct? We do. The Knights of Columbus and, and its generosity uh, and its care for our warriors uh, over the years, over the last hundred plus years, uh, does in fact make a full package available to those uh, selected. And how does one go about applying? The uh, application phase actually op opened on the 15th of September. Uh, one goes to the uh, warriorstolords.com website, and that's www.warriorstolords.com. And on the website is the um, button for application. One click on that button, and then the application comes down for each of the categories that I've discussed, and then uh, that's filled out. Uh, uh, you fill that out, and then in the jan late January, we close the application phase. 
uh, the middle of January, in this case 2024, and then later that month we will convene a selection panel where we will review all of the application, completed applications. Uh, last year we had over 600 completed applications and we selected about 240 based on our, our available seats, uh, aircraft seats and hotel rooms. So the application period for the uh, May 21 to 27, 2024 pilgrimage runs from September 15, 2023 through January 15, 2024. That is correct. And uh, when will the applicants get word whether or not they're accepted? Once we do the selection, uh, it takes us a couple of weeks to get everything organized and get all the letters ready to go and so forth. And then so about the middle of February, uh, the notifications go out of those who are selected. Uh, we do notify those who are not selected, encouraging them to apply again. Um, so, uh, but we also, you know, that it's a fairly complete uh, application, uh, including the medical annex and chaplain's endorsements and so forth that we consider. Now, you've been organizing this annual pilgrimage for, what, 10 years now? Uh, since the start in 2014, yes. Uh, and uh, with the exception of one or two years during the pandemic when, when we didn't go, but right. other than that, every, every year. Now, a lot of the folks, the veterans uh, who made the pilgrimage were suffering, as you pointed out, from either physical or mental or spiritual illnesses. Are there any miracle stories, any uh, unexplained favors received or cures brought about as a result of these visits? You know, that's something I can't uh, say is that, uh, that we've had any uh, miracles. But I think more importantly is while those who are terminally ill, those who are desperately ill, or those who've been seriously wounded in combat and so forth would look for physical healing, more realistically is the, um, the moral healing or the seeking of peace in one's life and reconciliation with one's condition. As one of our pilgrims put it, we came seeking physical healing, but we found uh, spiritual healing and strength for the journey, which I think is more uh, realistic. Uh, this past year, one of our uh, warriors uh, was suffering from a terminal illness, and uh, after the uh, we were able to uh, get the full bath for this particular warrior, uh, returned home, and then uh, turned off all treatment and basically was fully at peace and then passed away on 23 August. So while, no, we didn't get the full miracle, I think the miracle is the the peace that for him and his family that had accompanied him. So that this is what we look for. We, we look for that uh, reconciliation uh, uh, of one's uh, emotional issues, particularly PTS, and, more, and very much moral injury. Moral injury is the wounds to the soul, which um, don't heal except with true confession and true uh, recognition of guilt and then uh, begging forgiveness. Now, Colonel Galena, Colonel Chuck Galena, USMC retired, uh, military advisor to the Knights of Columbus and organizer of the annual Warriors to Lords Journey. 
You and I have worked together um, over 10 years now here at the Archdiocese. We're, we have some things in common. We're both from the South. You're from Memphis. I'm from Mississippi. <laughs> you did four tours in Vietnam. And first of all, thank you for your service. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, this obviously is an issue close to your heart, this issue of dealing with post-traumatic stress and moral injury and physical ailments from battle. Tell me about your personal experience in Vietnam. When, you know, tell me about your four tours. When was your first, and what was it like over there? Well, it's, uh, it was very interesting. Uh, I was uh, uh, enlisted Marine uh, at, uh, went to Marine Corps Recruit Depot, Paris Island, joined the Marine Corps, and then after a tour in the Fleet Marine Force, found myself in a Vietnamese language school <laughs> and uh, um, so after graduating from language school, I reported to my command. And within about a month, I was in Vietnam for the first time. And then what year was that? That was 1963. Um, and so back and forth over the years, uh, 63, 64, 65, 66, 7, and then took a break. I was selected and privileged to go to officer's candidate school at Quantico, uh, thinking that, well, maybe I'll get a tour in the States, that'd be nice. Uh, but that didn't happen. I went right back to the same 3rd Marine Division that I left uh, to go to uh, to OCS and the basic school at Quantico, and, and then did uh, a follow-on assignments there. And my last time was in 72-73 uh, uh, at the ceasefire um, as an advisor for the Vietnamese Marine Corps. So I was one of the last advisors to leave Vietnam after the, after the ceasefire. So the total was about 49 months of uh, my time in, uh, in Vietnam. I, my mother said I really didn't know when to come in out of the rain. So, uh, so it was, uh, was kind of it was a privilege to serve uh, this nation at, and during that period. Well, again, thank you for your service. Not only were you one of the last advisors, but if you were there in 63, you were one of the first advisors in there Vietnam. Was, uh, well, it was more of an intelligence unit, but the, there was a helicopter group there called the Shoe Fly Operation. So uh, it was Marine uh, helicopters, and, and the unit that I belonged to was one of the first units that actually deployed to Vietnam uh, in 1962. Yeah. So you were there when Kennedy was still president? Yes. I see. So um, how did you um, assess the changes that took place during the war over the 10-year period that you were coming in and out of Vietnam? Well, it was, uh, it seemed like we kept sliding uh, backwards. Uh, in the early days, uh, 63, 64, we could pretty well drive drive the roads uh, in a single vehicle and move back and forth rather uh, uh, and in and into, this, into the towns and cities. But as the war went on and as, the, as more and more of the conflict escalated, it seemed like that we weren't able to make the, that kind of move in a much more combat situation. So... Uh, all the way up to the end, so it was. Uh, it became much more of a huge conflict as the years went on. Obviously, 
it became more of a full-fledged deployment of U.S. military forces, up to about 500,000 at a time in country, uh, and where a much larger commitment of North Vietnamese forces uh, entered the battle, so it became much more of a full-blown uh, combat operation as opposed to a simple insurgency or, or guerrilla operation as we saw in the earlier days. So talking about warriors to lords and some of the um, uh, servicemen and women, veterans, some still on active duty who have suffered the, uh, uh, you know, the wounds of war, whether it be physical or mental, I'm sure you can, you can relate directly to. Could you share with us some uh, of the, uh, your personal experience of the emotional, spiritual fallout from being involved in, in direct military confrontation? Uh, well, there's a saying that in war there are no unwounded soldiers, and that is, that is a fact. So whether it's Vietnam, whether it was the Korean conflict, whether it's Vietnam, whether it's Iraq, Afghanistan, where one is involved or one finds himself in direct combat or combat support operations and so forth, uh, you're changed. It's uh, the chaos and uh, confusion of battle, the loss of life, uh, the, the serious wounds that people suffer around you or, uh, and for the many that have suffered, uh, it's not just the physical wounds, but it's also the emotional and psychological wounds that go along with that. Um, what I think we're seeing more now, um, especially over these in that last few years and uh, recognized by the Veterans Affairs uh, uh, Department of VA, the VA and others is this, this uh, moral injury where it's guilt-based, where it's either something I've done or something I failed to do or something I failed to stop, but that uh, huge guilt and, and from observation of our own pilgrims and others and a lot of reading on the subject and so forth, um, it's my view that, uh, that moral injury is probably, probably the more significant contributor to suicide than PTS or the physical wounds because it's, it is a different kind of wound. And, those of us that are Catholic, we are used to the sacraments, particularly the sacrament of confession. And um, when there's guilt involved, then there's forgiveness. And one, in order to overcome moral injury, really is seeking forgiveness as opposed to PTS, which can be treated with, with uh, counseling and uh, medications and so forth. Moral injury cannot. And... Uh, so we've been, uh, over the last three years, have been offering a much more uh, concentrated uh, uh, awareness of moral injury to all of our pilgrims, uh, providing them with materials that allows them to more fully understand that, uh, uh, what, that what that's all about. So when we talk about moral injury, for example, we might be talking about a serviceman who shot and killed a child thinking it was a combatant, thinking the person was a combatant and wound up killing an innocent person. Would that be an example? It would be. And even if the person wasn't innocent, even if the individual, a child or 
teenager or female or civilian uh, carrying a weapon or threatening that um, call it a legitimate uh, uh, defense, uh, self-defense, it still impacts. Um, I firmly believe that despite what may be happening in, uh, in society and so forth today, that, uh, that our military is by far and away the most moral military uh, in the world. Uh, and I, I think that it really hits our, our forces harder when there is an engagement with uh, a child or a teenager or women or so forth in a combat environment. In one of our uh, sessions at uh, Lourdes a few years back, in fact, one of our soldiers, uh, there was a discussion at the table about just that subject of civilian casualties, uh, death of a child, etc., and where the most of the individuals around the table were saying, well, I, I didn't have that experience, thank God, or whatever. One of the young soldiers just completely broke down and uttered that, oh, well, I did. And it was so traumatic right there on the spot that our group leader immediately grabbed one of the chaplains and our group psychologist and put them together very quickly because you could see the guilt that, that in this young man's face. It was... Uh, it was uh, it was a major intervention that had to take place because of the triggering of that guilt feeling. And you say that uh, moral injury is not as easily treated by counseling as PTSD, for example. Um, how is it treated? It would seem to me that um, the part of uh, overcoming moral injury would be accepting the fact that Christ died for our sins. It is, and and, and that's. That's the key. Well, certainly counseling a chaplain. I guess if you look at it this way, PTS, treatment for PTS is led by the psychologist, supported by the chaplain. Uh, whereas moral injury, it's the chaplain supported by the psychologist. I got you. The opposite. Yeah. So that first is recognizing what moral injury is. Uh, because the two can be, there's many overlapping um, there's a, uh, symptoms of both. Um, if you look at a Venn diagram, for right, example, sure. you'll see that. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's the guilt side that comes out. And as, as I said, it, it's the wounds to the soul, to the very being. And, uh, um, and this is, uh, we Catholics are, uh, you know, we, we rely on our sacraments, and particularly the sacrament of confession, uh, and our priest chaplains or our chaplains in general. I found uh, that over these last few years, number of years doing Warriors to Lords, many of our non-Catholic chaplains have a very strong uh, understanding of the relationship between healing spirituality, resiliency, and, uh, and this moral injury issue. What is resiliency? Uh, the ability to come back you know that you know you hit with obstacles or you're hit with but you're able to function within that sort of like resilient comes with the same word <laughs> right I see uh, wow uh, heavy topic girl um, 
and it seems that uh, moral injury is uh, just now really coming to be recognized. It, uh, back back when you were on active duty, yeah. there was no such thing that we know. Well, the word, there yeah. was, but we didn't have a name for it. It was, and I think the first, as I recall, the first uh, time you started seeing that was maybe in the 70s. But it really didn't come into play, even PTSD, until well after Vietnam and so forth. So uh, the so moral injury now, I think, is becoming more and more uh, recognized uh, by the VA, by the medical profession, especially by the chaplaincy. And... Uh, and I think that it's uh, it is indeed the basis of much of our much of our problems. In the upcoming Warriors to Lords pilgrimage, May twenty first to May twenty seventh, twenty twenty four, will offer an opportunity for some suffering from moral injury and other maladies resulting from combat uh, to heal at the um, baths at Lords, France. Uh, and for those accepted, uh, expenses are paid for, and Colonel Galena, USMC, retired. How does one retire? How does one apply once more, please? Uh, one, yeah, you, the website is www.warriorstolords.com. Uh, the application is online. It is active as of 0930 last uh, Friday, the 15th, and... Uh, as of last night, we had 151 applications already started. Uh, to, so uh, once the, the application is submitted, it goes into the review process uh, so that it's set up for the selection panel in January. Very good. Colonel Chuck Galena, USMC, retired. Thank you so much for talking to me. It was a pleasure, Taylor. Thank you.